We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Zen Nicotine Pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zen.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Draft Class here on Mix Film School. I'm Chris Percy Iden, your host every week, every Saturday here on Draft Class. Um, if I weren't 20, I would call myself the teacher, but I'm 20, so I will not ever be referring to myself as a, a professor here. Um, I interact with enough of those on the daily. Uh, I want to thank you all for the support coming in here to episode four. I mean, these first three weeks um, have been fantastic. I know I say this every week, but it's because you guys are amazing and the best family in the world. Uh, so I thank you for that. And I just want to say uh, I'm really excited here for this fourth episode. We've got one more show after this one until the NBA draft lottery is upon us. That's going to be on the 17th of this very month of May. After the lottery happens, we'll know where the Knicks wound up and, and draft class episodes at that point, they're going to focus a little more on the specifics of maneuvering this draft and who the Knicks should really be targeting or what they should be looking to do. Uh, but until then, we've got two really fun episodes, this one and next week's episode, in which we still get to live in hypothetical world a bit more and think a little bit more philosophically about the Knicks draft this year. And it is for that reason that I brought someone on for this week's episode who I love talking basketball strategy. I love talking basketball philosophy with a team building, you know, NBA trends, uh, what lineups are being played around the league, like all these things. Um, I think Schwinn has an awesome perspective on them. He watches a lot of basketball, has a lot of really great thoughts on it as well. So despite me struggling to give him this credit, and I'm lucky I'm able to do it without him on the call here so that maybe he'll never hear me giving him this credit as uh, you know, I have to keep up the uh, mirage that he is my mortal nemesis uh, because uh, you know, John, the whole John bit. Um, 
Schwinn's really awesome. And I loved this conversation that we had this week uh, about how the Knicks should approach any draft, not just this one, with the roster that they have, with the prospects that they have, uh, with the situations they have, uh, with their coach, and with their their seeming fading star. Uh, I think we had a great talk. I think it was really enlightening because of Schwinn's knowledge. I just, yeah, he he's great to talk to. I, I can't say it enough. So to not say it anymore... Here is my interview with Schwinny Poo, aka Schwinn. He forgot to shout himself out. So go follow him on Twitter at Schwinny Poo if you don't already. And welcome to Draft Class Episode 4. Joining me now, staff writer at the Strickland, co-host of Pod Strickland, someone I love yelling about basketball and sports with in general, getting yelled at by about basketball and sports in general. We've got Schwinn on for episode four of Draft Class. Very excited for this conversation because, as I mentioned in the intro, uh, Schwinn is someone I love talking strategy and sports like philosophy with. So yeah, the Knicks have a lot of options on the table coming into this draft. We still have not had the lottery yet. So a lot of stuff to break down here. First of all, how are you doing? Uh, I'm good. You know, it's four fifty-one on Friday, so you know we're we're here. The weekend is here, and uh, I am I am ready for the weekend. So, oh yeah, here we are. <laughs> yeah, that's been that kind of week. Uh, don't blame you, especially you know we were just talking about. I'm doing all my final presentations and projects here. I am certifiably in hell. Uh, so yeah, is, you know, good, good to have the weekend. I also know you're happy because the next season is over. Um, yeah, yeah. That's been great. Um, it's really, it sucks because like, I mean, obviously I would like them to be still be playing. That would be ideal. Um, but also I am very happy the season is over. Um, it was an annoying season in a lot of ways, like a good season in some ways, but very annoying and frustrating. So it's nice to not have to be mad about starting Alec Burks for no fucking reason at all. Um, and having to litigate that and having people say that it's okay. And that, you know, Tibbs is perfect. And, you know, Alex, uh, the best we've got, he's the best yeah. we've got at the one. Uh, the best we got and justifying idiot decisions, but it's fine. Um, oh, it's all fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it is the what water it is. Clearly under the bridge. It is what it is. It's over now. I haven't even talked about Tibbs in a few weeks. I don't think. Uh, yeah. I wait. Uh, yeah, I wake up in cold sweats at three in the morning about his rotations. So yeah, no, no yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's over. Um, it's, it's over. I, I did. I had to get that out there. Like admittedly, it's finally over that season, uh, was rough in a plethora of ways. It felt a bit myself included, like a community brain drain by the end of things, just like yeah. everyone participating in the same pointless arguments and no one changing their stance. It was just, it was like a family, it was like a family reunion, but like six hours in, like everyone should have left like an hour ago and now everyone's just too drunk and angry and arguing. <laughs> well, I would say that some people did change their opinions um, by the end of the season when they were forced to uh, because by a world pandemic and 
Injuries, yeah. Well, they were forced to change their opinion because the young guys played and they played really well. And at some point, you just got to admit that you were fucking wrong. And um, Tibbs had hit. He, he did it through his definitely not mouthpiece, Mark Berman uh, oh, going. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> definitely not. But he went on like, what, seven different fucking Knicks podcasts. And <laughs> the world it, tour. Yeah, yeah, he did, did a world tour and he just let everybody know that. <laughs> Tibbs' big regret was not Tibbs playing. Is sorry. Yeah. Not playing quickly and OB more earlier in the season, which, you know, um, it is what it is. I again I I guess I just take some satisfaction in having consistently said all year that those guys needed to play more, uh, and that they deserved to play more and that we would have probably won more games if they had played more because that's how it worked out. So um you know, again, frustrating season, but uh, not the worst thing in the world. Uh, no. You know, you end up back in the lottery. Your young guys showed some real progress and development, um, especially together. And um, yeah, I mean, look, we're here to talk about the draft. So the Knicks have, we'll see where the pick lands. Uh, but right now, what's what they have the 11th best odds. So they have options about what they're going to do with this pick. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how they, how they move around. Absolutely. Well, we're going to get into that today. Uh, but those young guys to start here, that, that, that's why I brought that up is, is how great those young guys were to end the year. And of course, then the discussion on the other end is like, oh, well, do you draft over them? You know, yada, yada. So to, you know, to start off, I've kind of started every episode of draft class here. Um, having my special guest do a little like postseason autopsy of the Knicks young core, their thoughts, but to kind of get right to things here, because we know how you feel about guys like quickly and, and OB and even RJ, right? Like, how do you feel about the extent to which the young core we have now, like affects your thoughts on drafting a guy based on their position? You know, like, do you think that we're in a spot where like, you're not touching a guard in the, in the lottery? Cause you love quick and do so much. Do you think it's situational with all that, you know? Uh, I mean, it just depends on the guard. I mean, one of the things I really like about all the young guys we have is they're pretty versatile. Most of them play multiple positions or have the ability to play multiple positions. I guess you can say OB doesn't, but he's not. I mean, he, he's pretty flexible in like his play style. So that doesn't really worry me too much. Um, but, you know, quickly he's played at the one and the two. RJ's obviously played two and the three. He's also played some four when we've needed him to. I actually think that's something that we we should probably have tried more often yeah. uh, depending on the matchups. Reddish can play two, three, four uh, Grimes can play two, three. I think can really, I honestly, I think Grimes can defend one through three. So that that's pretty he, cool. He can. Yeah. And then uh, Deuce can play one and two a little bit undersized of the two. He's actually smaller than quickly. I think he's six, one quickly six, three, maybe I think Deuce might be six, two. I don't know what it is. I know he's an inch shorter, uh, but he's got a good plus wingspan. He's probably, he's stronger than quickly. So he can defend one and two. Um, you know, I, I think that's really like, like Sims is the one guy Sims and Mitch are the two guys that like aren't flexible, but that's weird. Like they're centers. So that's just totally different. Um, the parent bigs. Yeah, exactly. They're just, it doesn't even matter. Like most centers across the board around the league are, are centers. They're just not going to play multiple positions. Um, the guys that play multiple positions are like fours that move up and down, but those are, super, super 
valuable, rare players. There are not a lot of them. And the ones that are really good, especially are usually superstars um, or stars anyway. So I'm not really worried about it. I don't, I wouldn't not take a guard in this draft. Like I think ultimately the Knicks, the Knicks don't have a player in my opinion, as much as I like all these young guys, they don't have a player that is destined to be an MVP caliber superstar level player. I love RJ. I just don't see that. Um, I see like an all-star player. I think a guy that could be a top yeah. 15, 20 guy in the league for sure. Um, I mean, he's not there yet. And obviously there's a chance maybe he doesn't get to that level, but I do think that he has that potential. I would bet on him achieving it, but that's still not a guy that's an MVP caliber player. And that's ultimately ultimately what you need um, to win in this league. And at the, like for that reason, I don't think the Knicks should not, there, there should be no player they take off the board for fit reasons. Because ultimately, if there's a guy that, look, let's just say off the top of my head, I, I don't, I'm almost a thousand percent sure he will never be this good and that they would not believe that he'd be this good. But like, right. if they, if they thought Ty Ty Washington was going to be like the greatest, <laughs> like just this next superstar point guard ball handler, like they should just take him and not give a shit that it might cut into Quickly's minutes or maybe him and Quickly don't play well together or whatever, like, or Deuce won't, Deuce is done then. Like, it doesn't, they shouldn't worry about any of that if they think he is that good. Um, but like, you know, other than that, honestly, Ty Ty is the only guy in the fucking lottery that I would really worry about. I mean, I guess the other one would be uh, Paolo uh, Bancaro, but I mean, one, one, we'd have to move up in the draft. I was going to say, I would love to have that problem. (laughs) Yeah. Like that's, that's just not a problem that's going to exist in almost any likely scenario. Uh, And then other than that, it's like, you know, what Chet, I don't think there's really be a fit issue with him. I don't see it with Ivy at all. I think he'd be a great fit. I think like, I know I've seen people saying like, Jabari is a four and Obi's a four. I don't think it matters, man. I think those guys can play together. Yep. Uh, Jabari, he's, he's an insane shooter from what I've seen. And like, you know, you look at a team, like, you know, you just look around the league, like look at Cleveland, right? Like, I mean, I know they didn't end up making the playoffs, but they probably would have, if they'd stayed healthy, um, almost definitely would have, if they'd stayed yeah, healthy. But like, yeah. but like they're starting marking in and Mobley and Allen together. Um, there's all a lot of team. I mean, I think, well, I think I've seen Milwaukee. They've been playing, and I know this is possible because it's Giannis and whatever, but like they've been playing Brooke and Giannis and Portis together. Like you just have to, I think the league is in such an interesting place with how flexible so many players are because their skill sets are so diverse. So, like, yeah, I mean, Paolo's weird for me because yeah, I don't think him and Obi would be a great fit together. But like, if you think, Paolo is going to be a superstar or a star or whatever, and has a higher ceiling than Obi, um, then you should just take him anyway and figure it out. I mean, and, yep. and to that and to that point, like people like myself, uh, myself, many people were kind of like, well, what what is Toronto going to do with Scotty Barnes and Siakam, and how is that going to work? And they worked fine; like they just played them together and figured it out. And yep. um, you know, if that's an issue for Tibbs, that's a Tibbs issue. That that shouldn't affect what the front office chooses to do in terms of picking a player in the draft. Because if you think a guy is a star, um, your concern can't be how do they fit together right now. Your concern needs to be what's the best way for me to build this team out looking in the long run 
to build a championship team. And if you pass on a guy you think is a star because of a fit issue, that's stupid. Um, that's always how you make a mistake. I mean, if Golden State had done that, they wouldn't have drafted Steph Curry. They would have drafted, I don't know, fucking DeMar DeRozan. And him and Montales could have been chucking up shots together in the Bay Area. But like, oh, yeah. But like, the, Mid, you know, the that, mid-range monsters out there. Yeah, it's just you just got to take 32 a year. <laughs> you, know? you just got to you just got to take the best player, I think. And, um, you know, look, I, I'm not I, I, I don't have a board this year. I don't I'm not going to make a board. I don't have super educated opinions on any of these prospects for the most part. I have thoughts on them and I have like feelings and inclinations, but I'm not really well-versed enough to to feel strongly so much about each of these players. But like, I just want to see, I, I think there's still like logical moves to make that, you yep. know, that, that you don't need to necessarily understand the strengths and weaknesses of each prospect so much in depth. Um, you know, like people do this, the NFL draft all the time, right. Where it's like, nobody actually knows. Nobody has, 300 prospects that they're so well-versed in that they understand the NFL draft, but you understand teams that move up and down the board and target positions and understand value, positional value and how to work the board and all that kind of stuff. And obviously the NBA isn't as variable as that because it's only two rounds, but like, I do think there are ways to move around the board and positions that have more value um, and just archetypes that have more value. So like, for me, if I'm the Knicks, like, look, I, I people are so focused on this fucking point guard thing, which I'm personally not, not because that's I, why, don't, that's why yeah. I've been over here hammering the wing agenda. I've been saying, let's get a wing. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, you look at, uh, like as much as point guard or primary ball handler, however you want to phrase that is a need. Like, I don't think you can let that need become such a fixation that you think the rest of the roster is set. And that's like, you know, if you want to look at the reddish trade, that's why I didn't really understand why people were like, like I saw a lot of people like, well, why didn't they trade for a point guard? Okay. Well, what fucking point guard got traded in the season? Like what trade was there to be made? And the Knicks can't not make a trade for Rubio. Right. And he, and he was, he was salary. He was a salary dump. And he's 30 something. Yeah. (laughs) He, He was dumped just because he got hurt. And they wanted to try and get Levert to give them some more ball handling Cleveland. Um, but like, yeah, like reddish, like you can't not acquire talent at other positions because you're still not good enough at other positions. Like the Knicks wing players aren't bad, but you could watch. I mean, if you go back and watch some of these games, like you can see there are matchups where they're undersized and they're out athleted. And like one thing Reddish gave you is he gave you a big wing. He gave you an athletic player, a fluid player out in the open court and the half court. He just moves in a way and is athletic enough in a way um, that it added an element to the Knicks wing rotation that they just didn't have. And that's good. Every time he got one of those like deflections using his wingspan, I just like was like, oh, Leon's heart is like a little more full right now because <laughs> that's like, it's like this is exactly what he was looking for. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's just like, I, I don't know if Reddish is going to be good or not. I just thought it was a, good play. Like I just thought, and I haven't been, a, I've never been a reddish fan uh, coming out of his in college. I wasn't high on him as a prospect. I don't remember. I can probably pull it up, but I'm pretty sure I had him like, I don't know, somewhere in th- like late teens or something like that. Yeah. Um, I believe it. But like, I'm not, I wasn't super impressed with his production in Atlanta. Um, but like, just as a 
talent. Like, yeah, there is talent there. And I understood why the Knicks made that move. I mean, who cares? You gave up a fucking protected first and Kevin Knox, uh, who's probably not going to be in the NBA after this year uh, for Cam Reddish. So like, you know, I, I, that's like, and that is kind of in a way the type of mindset I hope they bring to the table in the draft where it's like, look, like if you're sitting there on the board and you've got, I don't know, they're going to be at 11. Let's say that Matherin drops to 11 and Ty Ty Washington's on the board. Like, okay, maybe Ty Ty's a point guard that you guys think is good. He's going to be a good player. But if you have Matherin and he's like viewed as just a flat out better prospect, you can't pass on that because Ty Ty's a place point guard. Like you, if you had to clear better prospect, you have to take it. Um, And, you know, like we see this, like I actually, I thought this was really interesting in the NFL this year because most of the time, no matter how weak a quarterback class is, teams will reach for a quarterback because if they need a quarterback, that's such a valuable position. They'll reach for that player. And this year we saw there was no run. Like what? I think one quarterback got taken in the first round. What Pickett got taken yeah, by Pickett, Pittsburgh. They loved him. And then, yeah. And then nobody got taken until round three. I don't think another quarterback. Yeah. It was, 80, um, it was, was it 85 or seven? Yeah. I think it was something. what Malik Willis. They, maybe they or? were literally playing like hot potato with every draft, like on the clock. Yeah. Right. It was hilarious. I, you know, right. Cool and, and, I see, just, but. and I just think like that, it, it was really interesting to see because it just shows how like, yes, this, this position is so valuable, but if you have clear cut, better prospects at other positions that are just a tier, multiple tiers above what that most valuable position is, you have to take that. Um, and for the Knicks, like, yeah, we can sit here and say primary ball handler, primary creator, or whatever the fuck, primary engine. That's like the most important thing. They got to have it. They got to have it. But like, if it's not there in the draft, then you can't reach for it. Like you can't, you can't give a guy who's a B prospect. You can't take that over an A prospect, regardless of position. Um, and I, I think the, literally the only position where I will accept that, like, you need to be very weary of kind of like doubling up uh, and, and blocking and, and playing time and not duplicating talent and and maybe sometimes ignoring value to an extent is center because centers can't play together. They just can't like most of the time they yeah, most yeah. of the time they can't. I'm like, now if you get like a freak like Mobley, that works because he's so versatile and he can play the four right now. But like if the Knicks are in a position where or the other side of freak with like Kelly Olenek was just right. <laughs> the most right. like average. <laughs> right. But it's like it's like if you can take like if Mark Williams has the same grade as another prospect, let's say they I don't know. We can use Ty Ty right now since we've been talking about him a little bit. But Perez say, is going to have a stroke, dude. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I love Mark Williams from what I've seen. I think he's like super fluid, athletic, athletic for a big guy. Just, I think there are so many tools there that you can work with. Um, but like, absolutely. But if if you like them about the same, then you should take Ty Ty almost definitely. And even if they're like, even if you have Mark Williams slightly above. If you know that you're going to bring back Mitch, especially, I, I don't know if they are or not. I mean, we we don't know yet. Right, I, we're we're in a hypothetical. Go on. Right, <laughs> but like if they if they like know they're going to bring back Mitch, it makes no sense to draft Mark Williams, especially given what we saw from Jericho Sims last year. Like, it's just he he would need to have a grade, or like there has to be an internal belief that he is so good that you do not care. 
he's only going to play like maybe 15 minutes a game for the first two years of his career. Right. Like we see that we've seen this with Atlanta right now where they have um, a Kongwu who has been really good and promising for them in the minutes he's played. Um, but like Capella is there and Capella is a flat out better player than him right now. That's not to say Okongwu won't be a better player than him. And maybe that's why they took him that they think he has this much higher ceiling than he's, you know, that he has so much more to go, but like that's, you have to accept that's going to be part of the deal because there's no way, in my opinion, the Knicks are going to take a center and that guy is going to be starting. Like it's never going to happen for a tips team. He's not. I was going to say Tibbs, that coach. Yeah. yeah it's not he, he, he couldn't even start quickly over fucking Peyton and Peyton was terrible. So like, and a quickly was good as a rookie. So if he's not going to do that, there's no way in hell he's going to have the center who in his defensive scheme is like the most important person on the floor. He is never going to start rookie in that position. It, it doesn't matter unless it was like, Literally, Tim Duncan, it would never happen. I was so, going to say 97, yeah. Yeah. 97 Timmy D might have had a shot. Maybe yeah, that's about it. That's about it. Like, so, um, yeah, I mean, I did, I think in terms of value, like, I don't know how this draft is going to fall. I mean, I can pull up Tankathon. I'm not even sure how ac- accurate their mocks are. And stuff. Uh, yeah, I, you know, it's very fit based. Their mocks are super fit. Base, yeah, they keep so. giving us like tie tie, right? So yeah, it's it's really yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, like I, I think that um, you know, just to go back to your original question, it doesn't really uh, positional fit and stuff like that. Like these guys are fine; they can play together. I, I think they'll fit, or they have skill sets that are pretty adaptable. So um, I don't look at anybody in this draft just looking at the lottery guys that I've seen projected. Again, other than Bunkero. And probably, you know, Keegan Murray's another one. I'm not sure yeah. about him. He, he's he's kind of like people say he's like this year's Obi in that, like not as a prospect, but like not or like not as a player, but as a prospect. He's like the older guy that can produce, you know, upside might not be there yet. I'd really like him. I think there's totally something there. I I if especially or actually not especially exclusively if Randall's gone, I would draft Murray, even though we have Obi. Okay. Yeah. For I what, mean, for what I, yeah. that's worth. Yeah. I mean, Randall is its own thing. Um, I mean, that's to me like that, that's a bigger thing, right? Like if you take Bunkero, if the Knicks, you know, if the, let's say they move up to, they get the third pick or something and he's the guy that just, he's the best player on their board. If you take him, you have to trade Julius like more so than Obi. I think that's the bigger deal for the Knicks in the draft with these guys. Like, is Julius going to be here? Cause if Julius is going to be here, then, then that really does to me, take some guys off the board entirely. Like if they're committed to Julius, which I don't think they are, but you know, again, we don't, we don't know for sure. Um, but if they, if they are committed to Julius, like I think Boncaro's, he's got to be off the board. I think yeah. Murray's got to be off the board. I think even guys like, uh, you know, fucking, uh, what, what's his name? This one guy I was just thinking about. Eason, oh, yeah. Sorry, Eason. Yeah. Tari Eason should probably be off the board. Jeremy Sohan should probably be off the board. Like it, it, they're just guys that get eliminated as soon as 
if you yeah. tell me Randall's in, in the mix. But like that's when you start looking at Dyson Daniels over, you know, Keegan. That's when you start looking at Halliburton over Obi to bring back my literal least favorite debate of all time. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, you know, that that's where that stuff kind of starts to matter. Um, to circle back quickly on a point you made earlier, just because you did tweet about Zaire the other day. Like I before that 19th pick, before we knew they were trading it, I was like, I would like them to leave this first round with a twitchy athletic wing project like you know whether it's Zaire maybe even if it's Trey Murphy someone like long that they could develop into something they loved both Zaire and Trey both were gone at 19 and that they traded out and then went and got Cam Reddish who's like a long twitchy wing who needs a lot of development um so they they like had a goal and still executed on it using a trade target instead of a, a prospect. Like they have ideas of kind of what they want to do and and how they want to execute on that, which leads me to my next question for you. Again, another internal look before we really start looking at options for the draft. Um, and I'm revisiting this question from last week's draft class with Wilco, just because I really wanted your, your perspective on this as a Nick fan. Um, I asked him if he thinks the Knicks have a type from their drafts under Leon Rose so far. Now we've talked a little, you know, character, the preference for gym rats. Uh, is that about it? Or do you see a type in play style that they, they seem to have so far with this Rose Perrin Wesley led scouting crew? Um, I mean, me personally, I don't think it's just about the draft, but they seem to really value pull-up shooting ability guys that have flashed that. Um, that's been pretty consistent. Now, if you look at quickly Grimes, Deuce, those are three right there. They all pop pull-up shooting uh, ability. I mean, not quickly so much in college because he was... If you just look at Kentucky guards, they don't take shots off the dribble. That's like a thing. That's just not... Cal, Cal, Cal is hilarious, dude. Yeah, Cal just is not letting these guys do that. Um, but the Knicks did have much better intel on quickly than probably any other team in the NBA because of Wes. So they probably already knew that he had that ability. And KP. Uh, yeah, and KP, and yeah, Kenny Payne, not not the other one. Um, you mean me? Yeah, I don't know exactly. who else you would be talking about. It's true. It's true. The most famous KP in New York. Uh, by 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 three technicalities now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like, yeah, I don't think they had. Uh, I mean, they 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 did. They definitely had more knowledge of him. Um, but like, even with quickly, he shot some crazy number at the uh, combine shooting drill. So I think they were. I mean, Perrin's like his workouts and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure they were super high on him for that reason. Grimes, obviously really good shooter, pull-up shooter in college, his last year, especially same for Deuce. Um, and then you have like Obi who obviously didn't take a bunch of shots off the dribble, but as a college player, I mean, look, he was national player of the year. He was an offensive machine in college. Uh, I remember I, I could probably pull it up in my email somewhere, but like, if you look at his synergy from college, his synergy stats, they're insane. He's basically elite at. Oh, he was straight up just God. Like, I, I, he was their hub. He was their like playmaker to a degree. I, I know he had his point guards, but like, he just was Dayton basketball and not just on the court, like off the court too. Like Obi Toppin was Dayton basketball. They call him the mayor, right? Like, yeah, this yeah. kid is 
of larger than life, like personality. And then he was doing that on the court too. Like I could totally see how Leon Rose, someone who worked with stars for so long and, and saw different attitudes from different stars, like just saw Obi top. And it was like, Holy crap. Like Sam, you're representing this kid. <laughs> we are keeping this kid close to the, the chest. They, they love him. The Knicks love him. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah so I, I just think that, um, you know, I, that that's definitely something that they really look into. I think I think they have shown that they they like guys that are able to play multiple positions. Um, even Obi, like I don't know, I mean, Tibbs obviously doesn't view him this way. I don't know if the front office feels different, but he's a guy who played a bunch of five in college. He's obviously played exclusively at the four, basically in the NBA, but he did play four and five in college. So maybe that's something they think internally that is there down the line. Um, but quickly, obviously combo guard plays one and two. We are so hot. Talked about, yeah. So be the is, guy to play next to Obi. If you want to put Obi at the five, let Sohan be your literal, like the, the hope with Sohan is he can guard one to five in the league. Right. Which is nuts. So if that's your guy next to Obi, yeah, that, that might shake out. Okay. For you, you know, like they, they, you got to be a little specific with it, but um, he's in like, again, more offensive potential. He's not someone I trust to be your, you know, Malcolm Jenkins on defense for Obi because he's going to be the center. Like I, yeah, you've got to be a little, uh, decisional there with, with who you're putting next to Obi at the four. I, I get the no Julius thing, honestly, but it's annoying that we have no better options than trying it and they didn't try it, but I, I get why they don't want to do it or tips doesn't want to do it. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. Again, it's, there's no point in arguing it at this point, but um, yeah, like I just think that there are definitely certain attributes like plus wingspan is another one um, quickly has a huge wingspan for his size. I think he's six foot nine. Yeah, six and, foot and nine that's plus six inches yeah, off his six. height, which is just, I think Deuce uh, is plus seven. Um, Oh, OB is plus like four or five or something. Sims is not a huge wingspan guy. That's like, but he was also the 58th pick. So, you know, what the hell are you going to do there? Uh, and then you have obviously Rokas is like the one guy who I don't know if he's a plus wingspan guy, but he's, he's a really big guard. Uh, he's like what? Six, five, I think. So he's not like a small guard. He's like a pretty big primary and he's not a great pull-up shooter in terms of the ability to get off volume, but he is really efficient on the, on the pull-up shots. He does, he does take. So um, yeah, I mean, I think pull-up shooting is definitely something that they value a lot. I also think they seem to value defense quite a bit in the draft based on hey, the guys they've picked. Rokas, according to uh, an OKC Thunder draft profile um, is six, five with a six, nine, wingspan i'm not okay, sure there you go plus four yeah and then and then jared four is enough right uh, anyway jericho yeah. um <laughs> jericho is seven foot three wingspan and i know that his hair makes him look taller but he's like six nine six ten right so that yeah so that, that's go. that's plus for him too and I, I, yeah there there's your type <laughs> to a degree as well you know yeah so i think those are all attributes they look for so like that's why i've been kind of of the opinion that if they there is somebody that they're maybe higher on than consensus or higher on than most other teams and boards. It's probably shaded sharp um, because he does have, I know he didn't play this year at all, but like if you look at the clips of him clearly got pull up shooting, um, that's like the basis foundation of his offensive game. Then you look at his wingspan. I think he's got like a seven, seven foot, seven foot one wingspan or something like that. And he's six, four, six, five. Um, and then, you know, you look at, 
like I think he's somebody who has uh he he is pretty switchable. So um you know he defends well too from what I've read. Again, I'm not a super expert, but from what I've heard, he's like a very willing and effective defensive player. So yep. um that would serve the Knicks purposes for a lot of reasons. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What's up, Knicks fans? Have you heard about Prize Picks? It's daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know you will too. Prize Picks is the best NBA DFS prop game on the market, offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator, and offers all the superstar players as well as the bench players only recording a handful of minutes each game. All users that deposit and use promo code FILMSCHOOL will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. I made an account, and I can't believe how easy it is to make my picks. You choose two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. 
Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Go to prizepix.com and use promo code FILMSCHOOL or go to the App Store and download the app today. PrizePix, it's daily fantasy made easy. Let's talk movement. Let's talk movement here. Up, down, out around, <laughs> et cetera. Um, between moving up in this draft, moving down, moving out entirely, given what you know just about you know how top-heavy or not top-heavy this class may be, the depth not exactly projected to be incredible, um, is, there, is there one of those three options that like screams off the page, like, I want to do this to you? Do you like feel really strongly about wanting to move up this year or move out? Uh, I would say I don't want to move out unless it's like, you know, for an actual, like, I don't really understand the idea. I know John has been kind of pushing the idea that the Knicks will not use this pick. I don't really agree with that. Like they've been pretty, I guess, I don't know what the right word is, but they've been like very committed in each year into taking using the draft like you might disagree like people can disagree about how they've moved around the board and stuff but you know they've come out with they came out with two guys in the first draft and extra draft picks they came out with four guys in last year's draft and extra draft picks so like they definitely seem to me and they haven't traded out a, like they traded out of what a protected first and a second round pick and then used it to draft quote unquote like a right. 22 year old cam reddish yeah right so like i i don't i don't really i don't i don't think they'll just trade the pick because they're so desperate to like move or up like i don't think they're going to trade the pick just to get like some okay upgrade at a position um and the other thing i would say too is like i don't think they're in a position to toss away the chance of the lottery town like this is hopefully their last time in the lottery for a while. Um, like you should use that opportunity, like value it because you might not have access to the type of caliber of talent you're going to see uh, that you see at the top of drafts moving forward for them. So um, I, I'm, I definitely don't think they should trade it. I think there's enough guys from what I've read and heard and seen, seen being the least of those things. Um, but like, I think there's enough talent that they, they should feel pretty good about, you know, if they don't move up, if they stay at 11 about the caliber of guys that could drop them. But if yep. I was to choose, I would like them to move up. I think that um, because this is their last chance in the lottery, probably hopefully again uh, for a little while. Yeah. If, if they love somebody at the top of this draft, they shouldn't feel like Moving up from 11 is a lot easier to do than moving up from 19. Like they were. Oh yeah. I was going to say 18. Exactly. You know? (laughs) So, so if you, if there's somebody they really like that, they think is going to drop to that, that drops to five, six, something like that. Four or five. Yeah. Like, I think they should definitely be aggressive about trying to move up because um, it's, it's a lot easier to do from this position than it was before. Obviously, if the pick just jumps, that would be ideal. Then we don't have to worry about any of this shit. But um, you know, for for what it is right now, I, if they stay at eleven, I think I would like them to trade up. But even if they don't trade up, that to me does not mean they should not use the draft pick. They should still use right. the draft pick. Um, like you talked about, a bunch of guys that that 
might still be on the board. I mean, but like if you look at, I'm just looking at Dankathon, but it's like you know, Daniels, Matt. Yeah, yeah. One Sohan, of these guys will, Durin, will fall. Yeah, Duran, Mark Williams, Johnny Davis, Malachi Branham, who I know <clears throat> some people are really high on. Usman, He's cool. Yeah, yeah. Usman Jang, who I think people are getting kind of very high on um, based on what he's shown. And then, you know, Tari Eason, like there's going to be plenty of guys that have talent that people are fairly high on. Um, I, I would not trade that pick just to trade it unless you're getting a legitimate serious level upgrade at like, yeah. If someone's whatever. banging down your door to try to get one of those guys and you don't care for them too much, then okay, I get it. But like Duran probably going to go top six to eight. We know teams end up biting on that athleticism and what he's, you know, kind of showcased in regards to playmaking potential, even like there might be a guy in there who is doing more than just kicking out off the short roll. And you know, like the, could be really good. <laughs> um, Durin, you know, uh, you have guys like Mathurin might go earlier too, just athletically, right? But, you know, Dyson Daniels, um, hopefully Sohan falls to us if we stay at 11. I hope, I hope, I hope. But if he doesn't, then that pushes someone else down the board, right? So, uh, like you said, there's a lot of guys in this range that the Knicks should be interested in um, for the reason that their skill set could benefit the team. I've talked a lot on these first three episodes here about my desire to kind of drop a fourth infinity stone into our wing rotation. You know, we love RJ Grimes and cam and we love that they're complementary to each other. Go get them a Jeremy Sohan who can literally just screw up the court. Like just go destroy things defensively switch all over, go get gritty, go get boards, you know, like mm-hmm. I give him one of those. There's a lot of stuff the Knicks can do here. That's just like really, really enticing. Even if it does involve staying at 11, but because you brought up moving up, what kind of package are you willing to send out? If we were to get ourselves into that top four or five, six range, whether it's for an IV or a sharp or, you know, one of those guys. Yeah, I mean, so again, like not really having done a board and not having strong opinions on these prospects as in terms of what their ceiling is, what I think they're going to be in the NBA. Um, but like, you know, that the ultimate thing is what you're trading up for, um, what you're willing to give up is all predicated on what you think that player is going to be. So if you think Shaden Sharp or Jaden Ivey is going to be a superstar or a star or whatever, you're obviously going to be more willing to give, you're, you're going to be give, willing to give up more than you would if you just think he's going to be like a really good player, like a really good, maybe multiple all-star, but not a superstar, not that type of player. Um, that changes things. But like, you know, I'll put it this way. I know that there are a lot of people on Nick's Twitter and I'm sure in the organization and wherever that love deuce like i wouldn't feel i I would be very okay with moving deuce to if the i mean and i don't think he's gonna move the needle much because he was what the 36 pick that barely played this year but like that like for just as an example that's a good player you can't feel any like i don't think they should feel any attachment to him in a sense of if that's the cost of doing business to get a guy at the top of the draft that you want like then just do it because it, yeah, he's, he might be really good, but ultimately like he was a 36 pick in the draft, which is 
the value of what you're giving up? Like, would you, if you had told somebody last year, like, would you include the 36th pick in this draft for a move from 11 to four? Nobody's going to say no. Everybody's exactly. like, absolutely, yes. Um, and yeah, maybe I've liked what I've seen from from Deuce, and I wish that we had gotten a chance to see more. But like, well, I was going to say, here's what I'll push back with you is that I had him 21 last year on my board. I, I said before the draft happened that he was the steal of the draft. Like, that's how much I loved the value that he was going to bring given where he was going to go. And he went about six eight slots later than I was expecting. I thought he'd be gone by the late first and we got him at 36. So is like giving up on him, not, I don't mean to phrase it like that is utilizing him as an asset to move up, uh, kind of selling ourselves short on the fact that we are really close to returning plus value on a 36 pick and other teams may not know that yet. You know, like, are we getting compensated for that potential? Cause I, I, you know, I I'll rip out the classic phrase. Like he's got that dog in him, <laughs> you know, like yeah, yeah. Deuce, Deuce is one of those guys, you know? So I, I'm biased, but again, like to not to say, Oh, well we can't get emotional about these. I'm going to get emotional about Deuce. Like, you know, would you rather, or do you think it would be possible to, to give up picks instead um, I'm sure. You, I think most concerned? teams value picks more than than Deucefoot. I'm just saying, like he's a guy that to me, who I like. But look, I, I, I think quickly is better than him for sure right now. Yeah, um, and he's been good for two years. Uh, so like, you know, if like if I was including Quick in a in a deal, like I would need to get up into the top four. And I would oh, yeah. actually feel good about that. Like, and I would not want to be giving up anything else because to me, look, you can go back. I did this yesterday. If you go back and you just look at the 2020 NBA draft. Okay. So this is the one that quickly was in. Here are the guys that I would say you can argue like, all right, for sure. Better than him. Right. Anthony Edwards, LaMelo ball. Those are the only two in the draft that I would say definitively, hundred percent, no doubt about it, better than him. And will I will I will say not for the will be, but just especially because of the opportunity he's gotten. I I can't ignore Bain here, Um, but I also know now he's getting overhyped. Sadly, I like I was always pushing that he's underhyped. Train, but now he's now it's a little too much. Yeah, I think it's fair to say Bain's better than quickly right now. So if you want to throw him in there too, but like just the defense, I, I mean, Oh man, yeah. he's so good. I, I personally think quickly is going to be a better player long-term, but we'll see. I mean, that's all, also a bet, but like, I'm with you. Yeah. And then the other guys that I would say that like most people in the league and around, you know, people that just follow the NBA. And I don't think any of these are unreasonable, but guys that are, are better or will be better um, are maxi. Uh, you mentioned Bain. That's, that's another one. Halliburton is another. And Ugh. And that, and then maybe a Kungu. Oh, yeah, Pat, maybe Pat will. I, I mean, I wouldn't say that anymore. Okay. From what I like, I, I like that. I like, I that. like Pat will a lot, but like, Me too. yeah, he's just not shown a whole lot. Um, and that's not all his fault, by the way. So, but like, other than that, it's like those, those guys, and then maybe call Kungu. So that's, that's six guys. That's six guys in that entire draft. And I guess, I mean, I wouldn't, Somebody like that is loves, um, you know, Boston sports might say Peyton Pritchard. I wouldn't even, I, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't, I think he's, I think he's good though. I like Peyton. He Pritchard, is, but, he yeah. is unironically good. Like he is not a meme player. Like a lot of people on Twitter like to, um, 
make him out to be, but he is not Emmanuel quickly and that's okay. But he's yeah. just, it's true. He, he's good though. Um, but like, yeah, so that's six guys. So to me, what you're talking about is, and then look, there's, there's some guys that you, you can argue down the line, you believe in them. They're going to be better. Right. So like, I don't see it. I know people love Poku. I think he's just a fucking meme. Like he is actually a meme player to me. I don't care about him. Um, I think respect. like you can respect argue Pokushevsky. No, I'm he not is. gonna respect him. Uh you could argue like I like Devin Vassell a lot. I think I, I, I liked what I saw of him this year. I could see a world where he's better than quickly down the line. Um Obi, I mean flat out Obi's on the team. Like I think he might be end up being better than quickly. I wouldn't bet on it. I think quickly has a much has a higher ceiling, but it's possible for sure. Obi's a talent in his own right. Obi is uh, hilarious because like the way he can control his body and finish at the rim and see the court and pass the rock. And then he just like, can't back down Dean Wade. And I'm like, yeah, and I so guess, funny. I, I guess the other two guys I could see people and I and not unreasonably preferring over quickly would be uh Sadiq Bay and uh, Jaden McDaniels. Like I, I personally, I don't see that with Bay. But he's a good player. Um, McDaniel's, I can see just because he's such a freaky, like the position. He's so versatile defensively. He's already really, really good on defense. Um, the shot looks there. Not much off the dribble yet with him, but like I can understand why. And he's a, he's a huge, like what is he, like 6'9, six, 6'10, six, super flexible with wingspan, all that kind of stuff. Like he's, he's got all the to- physical tools. So I can understand that. So that's like, but ultimately that's eight guys, eight, nine guys. Like talking about a guy that's basically a top 10 pick in that draft, essentially now when you're looking back at it, like if I'm moving up, if I'm trying to, if I'm including him in a trade, like that needs to mean that the rest of the package is like, that's the package 11 and quickly can be the package. And I have to get up into the top four to get that. This and is what I, I was talking about with Deuce is like valuing a guy with how good he is and not where he was taken, you know, like, yeah, it's just harder for, and I just, I say this admittedly, like it's harder for me because I didn't do a board last year. So I didn't really get into the nitty gritty of it. Um, and ultimately like uh, all I can judge him on is what I've seen of him in the NBA. And I've liked you weren't what I grinding Westchester tape. You fraud. I know. I know I was not, um, but like all I can judge him on is that. And I've liked what I've seen. I've been pretty impressed actually by what I've seen. But not enough to the point where, like, if I think a guy like Jaden Ivy or Shaden Sharp is there, oh that, yeah, yeah, and and that's like what I need to like, I I will do that, and that's kind of where I am with quickly, where it's like you have to believe that Shaden Sharp or Jaden Ivy are going to be stars, like one hundred percent perennial All Star, multiple All Star level player. That's the minimum they have. They have to be multiple All Star level player for me to be comfortable making that deal because to me quickly as a player, like what did he average? I think he averaged something like 21, seven and seven per 36 after the all-star break. Uh, uh, I, I don't know the, the, per 30, yeah. I just know it was like 15, four and five. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's, it's basically 21, seven and seven after the all-star. I know it is. Um, so Six, like 16, five and five in 21 games since March 1st. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all basically, right. yeah. Like, so to me, that the level he played at the production he played at was pretty close to all-star level play. And when he did get more minutes, he produced more like that's 
basically what you want to see from a young player. Obviously, he had those two triple doubles at the end of the year. Like, that's a massive leap. And so, to me, if you're giving that up, you better be damn sure what you're getting back in that deal. The player that you're taking at four or five or whatever you're trading up to, that guy has to be a multiple all star. That yeah. he has to be and, someone, and so someone like, you would take if you were at two and that you're happy is there at four or five, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. So like I, I, I quickly is really tough for me. Obi is another one. Like, I just don't know. Like I literally don't know because he played, you know, he started what, like 10 games or something at the end of the year. Thanks Tom. Yeah. yeah. He's, he started he, 10 games last season and averaged 23, seven and three assists on the dot. Right. Something like that. I mean, just, beautiful yeah. or it was maybe it was 21 seven and three assists as a starter that sounds right yeah and he just doesn't like he he just didn't get extended minutes very often and so i think he can be really really good but i don't know that for sure and i think people around the nba would not value him like that even if they believe like they're not going to give you that they're not going to treat him like that at the, at the negotiating table. Exactly. So to, they have no reason to. Because... So to me, like if you're the Knicks, you know, can you get up from 11 to four or five? I think more realistically, I think five to eight is the range where they could probably trade up to, but like, can you give up next year's pick top three protected? And then it becomes unprotected to, to move up in, in the draft. Like, like that to me is, you know, I don't know how I'd feel about it. Like in terms of in the sense that again, I don't admittedly know these prospects well enough and have strong enough opinions about them to say they should or shouldn't do it. But if you really like a guy, I think that's a package you need to be willing to give up. Like if they think Shaden Sharp or Jaden Ivy or fucking Jabari Smith or, you know, or not Jabari Smith, whatever the fuck his name is. Keegan. Yeah, whatever, you know, whatever. If you just fall, like if you just think one of these guys is so good and you can't risk another team taking him, um, and you know that he's not gonna get to eleven, then like, yeah, you should you should be willing to make that move, in my opinion. Like that that's a move that you should be willing to make. Um will they? I don't know. I have no idea. But and I I I do think this is a, a time for them to be aggressive and in terms of trading up, I think this is a good moment uh for them to do it. Love it. Um, quickly, you can literally just one word answer this. Does that, and especially giving up picks, would that concern you in, in regards to future star trades? Or are you just trust Brock? Or <laughs> Sorry, say that again? Um, would giving up like picks to move up, would that concern you in regards to future star trades? You know, and, and what we have left in the asset chest? Or do you, are you just all in on, on Brock here? Uh, not really. I mean, look, I, I think the Knicks are... If if you so like if they trade their pick next year in addition to their pick this year to move up, they'd still have that Dallas first next year, um, and they'd still have all their other future first to trade. So like that should be enough in terms of draft composition if you do make a star trade to, to pull the trigger. And the other part of it is that like the Knicks need to develop their own young talent, um, and potentially those guys can then be the headliners of a star trade. Um, as an example, I think if Memphis wanted to trade, like, let's say, I don't know, fucking, I'm trying to think of like a team that has like, let's say that uh, Washington is, they decide, you know what? Beal is not it. We're not going anywhere with this guy. 
let's just get what we can get for him and a sign and trade or whatever. And let's say Beal for some reason wants to go to Memphis. Okay. Like I think Memphis has, they have players that now have like real value in their own right. Like, I mean, we talked about Bain, right? If they were just went out this offseason, we're like, you know what? We don't like Desmond Bain anymore. We want to trade him. How many picks would they get for him? What picks would they get for them? Would they, I think, I think if you told me the Knicks traded the 11th pick in the draft for Desmond Bain, I'd be like, that's great value. Amazing. Great, great trade. Like, so that like the Knicks need to take, like they need to get young guys and they have to play these young guys and establish their value at that level. And maybe that doesn't happen. You know, like, look, we've, I'm as big a supporter of quickly and, and Obi as there is out there, but like maybe you play them more minutes and they just don't turn out the way I think they will. But like, you have to take that chance to have the opportunity to trade for a star because unless you do that, like you're not going to get a star. Like you're just not, you know, like, I mean, even I know people bring up the Harden trade all the time, but like Jared Allen and Karis Levert at that time were viewed as legitimate young players, like competent, real starting caliber rotation players. The Knicks right now, look, if you, however we feel about quickly and Obi does not matter because all that people around the NBA saw are two guys that played, I think quickly averaged like 25 a night or something. And that was only because, and, you know, yeah, it was, it was injuries. 21 a night yeah. before the end of the season. So, right. And, and then, and then OB averaged what well, I think he averaged 17 for the season. Um, so like they're not viewed in that same way because they haven't had that opportunity. So when you're trading them, they're not viewed as like, like I just said about Bain, right? Like I don't even think Memphis would trade him just for the 11th pick to be honest. Right. Like, I don't think they would, but but like that's the value he carries because he got more minutes and he capitalized on his opportunities. Now, we don't know what these guys would have done in with more minutes, but what we saw at the end of the year, if you had given them that opportunity earlier in the season and they had played around the level that we saw towards the end of the year, now you're talking about a totally different proposition, right? Like, could a player like quickly who averaged again 21, 7 and 7 or whatever per 36 after the All-Star break, if he had gotten 30 minutes a night. Let's say he's averaging 18, six and six or something. Not, I mean, if you offered him, what would a team give up in trade? Like, could you get the fifth pick just for quickly? I don't know. We have no idea. I have no idea how to, how to I guess it. we'll never know. <laughs> yeah, we, we won't know because like, if you t- like, honestly, I'm not, I don't think this is crazy, but like, if you told me a team was drafting, had the seventh pick overall right now, and they were, they offered that for Desmond Bain. That wouldn't surprise me at all. And I don't even think that's bad. I think that's fine. I would be like, yeah, okay, I get that. I get it. Like he's, what is he averaging right now in the playoffs? You know, like this is a guy who's, he was their best player against Minnesota and that's not a stat, but that was true. So (laughs) right, so no worthy. And I'm genuinely like open to the idea that I'm super overvaluing Bain or something, but I really don't think I am. Like he averaged for the season, he averaged 18, just under three assists, four and a half rebounds on 40, on 46, 43 and a half from three nineties. Yeah. He's hilarious. I had him 12 on my board that year. I remember Spencer was like really driving the hype train for Des, um, but I had him like lottery and I was like, I, I had him over both Hallie and Wiseman. And I think that might not age poorly we have to see about Hallie, but 
Yeah, I, I had him over both those guys also. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, look in the playoffs. Look this, at what us. He's, this is just what he's averaging right now in the playoffs. 19 points, 19 and a half points, 1.8 assists, uh, four rebounds, just under a steal and just under a block in 36 and a half minutes a game. He's shooting. These are splits, which are insane. 46.9, 45.3 from three, uh, 87% at the line. Like, I, I don't know what that is worth exactly. But if, again, if you told me the Knicks offered the 11th pick for that or a team offered the seventh pick or sixth pick or something like, I don't know. I don't think that's that crazy at all. Like that he's played at a super high level. Um, so my point is like, I don't think the Knicks should care about giving up draft comp as much as giving up these young guys, because I think the best opportunity you're going to have to draft to trade for a star. Like to me, there's two ways for the Knicks to trade for it or to get a star. It's either you draft one or you trade for one because free agency is probably out of the question at this point. Um, how do you trade for one? Like you have to have good players to throw in a deal on top of draft comp, probably more important than the draft comp is that. So do I, would, would it worry me to give up picks to move up? Not especially if they think the guy they're going to get is that good. That wouldn't worry me at all because either they think he's going to be a star or they think he's going to be good enough to eventually trade for a star. Right. Um, so I, I wouldn't worry about that too much. Obviously, if it's like, you know, you're trading four first or something, that's a little bit different. Yeah. But, yeah. But like ludicrous. Yeah. There's, there's definitely a price where if it's like, like I said, this year's first, next year's top three protected or something, maybe you have to throw in a swap, throw in deuce. Like, you know, I, I would do that. You, you could stomach it. Yeah. I feel you. All right. I'm going to end things off just because you know that I, I, I like you and, and we're friends. And I always <laughs> just like to, you know, um, just brighten your day. Uh, we're going to end things off on the dark side. What is the outcome that would leave you discouraged with the state of the franchise? Uh, <laughs> probably anything involving keeping Randall, like prioritizing Randall. So any move that clearly prioritizes him would be very problematic for me. So like if they traded Obi um, to keep part, him. Oh yeah. No, yeah, that, that would really piss me off. I would, I would be actually like totally out in the front office if they traded Obi and clearly were, they would never, they would literally never like they love him so much that move. I would, we would both have meltdowns like publicly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I'm not, and I'm not saying that they can't never trade Obi, but like you cannot trade Obi because you want to put pieces around Julius Randall. Like, that's just it's stupid. about why they're doing things, yeah. not the things. Like I'll be, you know, I'll be like, I will not trade Emmanuel quickly for De'Aaron Fox, and everyone's like, you wouldn't trade quickly for anyone. You're an idiot. I'm like, no, I would trade quickly for X Y Z right now, just not this. And it's all it's all situational. Uh, so yeah, no, it, it depends. Very circumstantial. Yeah, so that would be one. I think like um, if they if they trade eleven just to get like I'm trying to think of some veteran who might be on the market or something that would fit a need for us. Like if they just trade 11 to get Malcolm Brogdon or something like that would be, I was, I was going to think wholly uninspiring. Move. Think let Mitch walk trade 11 for a starting center. Like, uh, like someone ass. <laughs> that would, that well, like, would if, you, if you, if you, if you let Mitch walk and you trade 11 for miles Turner, I would be, really Oh, that's it. Off that. That's the one I, I would, would hate have that a meltdown. Publicly. Yeah. I would really not like that at all. I'd be very out on them. 
Like I would, un- I can understand that one more than the Randall stuff, but like, I would still hate it. I, I would not like it. I think it'd be a terrible value move. Um, so stuff like that, like trading the pick for a guy who doesn't truly move the needle to me is it's that's what you that would be yeah if they do that that would suck so much and i would be very very out on them that would be like I, i'm i'm literally too young for this but that would be like a classic like isaiah thomas next right would <laughs> would be just, i mean that's what they did see, they you, traded, were, you, uh, you were they having traded. you were having too much fun i needed to shut it down that's why i brought this i mean that's, that's what they did they traded they traded the seventh pick in canby for uh for uh antonio mcdice and that pick ended up being nene but it could have been Amari Stoudemire, who was the ninth pick in that draft. Who they then maxed later. Right. Who they later Perfect. Maxed. That means we now we now know the Knicks will be maxing Jamal Murray at some point too. Probably. Uh, all right. We like I said, you were having too much fun. We had to dip our toes into <laughs> the evil side of things. You and I always the optimists, always the uh spinners of like this will be okay for the Knicks <laughs> narratives. So uh even, whether it's because we believe them or are trying to convince ourselves that we believe them, I, I had to I had to throw you in the dark side there. As we wrap up, now it's time for the the classic KFS close out. Any plugs, Schwinn? Anything you want to plug? Anything you want our listeners to go check out after this episode? Uh only thing I can want to plug uh is Pod Strickland. Um obviously podcast I what's host. that uh it's a podcast i host oh. uh with prez and with stacy um check that out check out all the work that we're doing over at the strickland um right now i think everybody's enjoying again the next not playing so not too much writing content at the moment but uh we'll be picking that stuff back up and um yeah other than that just the pods all the pods uh prez is doing a really good job with draft strickland himself uh then we got the mailbags uh there's there's a ton of podcast content on there. So um, yeah, check out, check out everything uh, that we're doing over with the pod Strickland and all the other Strickland pods that we have. They're killing it. You guys are absolutely killing it. I want to thank you one more time for hopping on episode four of draft class. We got the lottery coming up. So, (laughs) you know, it's, it's getting, uh, getting a little, little steamy now in in draft season. We got some, some action. Thank you one last time for taking the time to hop on. Appreciate it, man. No problem. That is going to wrap things up here for us on this fourth episode of Draft Class. I want to thank you guys, the listeners, one more time for tuning in, for joining Schwinn and I at the table today. It was great to have him on. Uh, It's always nice chopping it up with him, but getting to do it here on Draft Class, I finally have my own show to host him on instead of being a guest on on Pod Strickland. Uh, That was extra cool for me. So thanks to you guys for tagging along on this journey. And uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, throw me a follow on Twitter at Chris Percyinen. Throw Schwinn a follow at Schwinnypoo. And make sure to stay tuned to the KFS pod feeds for new episodes of Draft Class every Saturday, as well as all of our other great off-season content. Cap or no cap, I shout out every single week because Jeremy Cohen is that dude. And of course, John, I mean... You know, maybe this season uh, he needed a little break, as I mentioned with Schwinn, like 
he always kills like those off season newsletters that he's been dropping this week. Oh my God. The Tyus and the Jalen. I'm so proud to call these guys like my friends and coworkers. And then of course this episode and every episode that you listen to is produced by the amazing Andrew Claudio. It's just, I love our team here and I love you guys for always sticking with us. It means a lot. And I'm excited to see you again next week on episode five of draft class here on Nick's film school. Stay tuned.